So I just kind of want to share about being battle ready because that's, that's something that we're doing over a, over a town. It's actually Alberta's largest town. It's big enough to be a city, but it refuses to become that. So it actually has the status of being Alberta's largest town. It's an interesting did you know. So I did know at a young age that I had a call in my life. I, I knew in some capacity I'd be doing ministry of some kind. Um, those of you that may have known me from maybe my early years or teenage years, uh, I was very military-minded. My wife remembers me showing up in grade 8 wearing fatigues and army boots. And, you know, all my teachers used to say, you know, we were always fearful when Chan would come to school because we don't know what kind of weapon he's going to bring. Right? And then, and then I had a teacher later say on my graduation days, you know, I always felt safe when you were at school. There was just that sense of protection you brought when you came. But I, I, I knew that there was a call in... Before I got married, one of, my, one of my goals that I was thinking about heading in towards was actually becoming a military chaplain. Um, just having that desire and that, that passion for the military. Um, I knew that was somewhere I wanted to go. And so I'm like, okay, God, how's this going to work? How are you going to do this? And then I met Moira. And then, yeah. So I, I met Moira, and I'm like, she's like, oh, that's great. Yeah, like, you want to be a chaplain. I don't like that. I'm like, what? Man, God, you're supposed to be giving me a woman that wants to, you know, serve beside me. She's like, well, I love that you got that heart for that, but I want a guy that will just be home. I don't want, I don't want a husband. I don't want a father that's going to be away all the time. I don't want to be sitting there fretting whether you're even going to come home. She goes, I just want a nine-to-five type guy. I want a guy that will just be home for dinner, that will be home on weekends, that will be home to take us to church. That's the guy I'm looking for. So I'm like, all right, God, I know she's the one. I know you want me in ministry, but I guess it's not the military. And see, God was closing doors in places where I didn't realize that he was closing them, but he was opening doors in places where no one could close them. And so what happened was, I was, I was a janitor at Heritage, and then I was all, at, at nighttime I would clean the school. During the day, I would be a full-time appliance technician. I had two full-time jobs. I had no time for relationship. My poor wife spent our whole first like, year of our engagement planning our wedding and did everything completely by herself. Like, props to her. Like, she was amazing. But there was such a busyness that was over my life, and God was already preparing me that I was a pastor in those places. So here I am working at a school. Actually, ended up being my former high school. It was Heritage Christian Academy. And... I'm working as a custodian, and I got this little following of, like, teenage kids, and, like, there's a Travis Roll that was there, Kyle Giesbrecht, there was uh, uh, Andy Holum, that's an amazing story right there, there was an Andy Holum, there was an Adam Verheide, I hated that kid, absolutely hated that kid, now I know why he didn't come, because he's like, oh, yeah, he's going to tell everyone how much he hated me, and I grew to love him, but anyway, I was there, and God had placed me as a pastor in that place. So I, I didn't realize it at that point, but there was, 
there was this, this call of leadership on my life that when I moved, these kids were like, yeah, let's do these things. And, you know, and I can't say I did leadership 100% well. There, there's probably a few times that even Debbie, Debbie had an office in a classroom, like just down from the girls' bathroom. And I showed all these young boys, hey, this is where you can turn the breaker off to the lights in the bathroom. And all these girls would just go like haywire crazy. And then they'd be like, oh, what do we do? And the lights aren't working. And yeah, it's just, this breaker was, so sorry about that, Debbie. So, you know, I was leading these kids maybe in not the right direction, but man, I had a parent come up and they said, you don't know how much of a role model you are to my son. And I'm like, man, your kid has low standards. A janitor is their role model? <laughs> but it's not that, right? Your job title doesn't say who you are. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can't do things. And so that was my job at night. During the day, I was an appliance technician. So I was working with my dad, and then a company, a very large company called Whirlpool, uh, they had closed down a bunch of service centers, but now they were moving and centralizing everything into Calgary. And so they knew I was working with my dad, so they approached my dad and I and said, hey, would you be interested in coming in and working? So here's an interesting tidbit. I have never had a resume, and I've never applied for a job, ever in my life, right? So when Pastor Bill said you know, kind of the same, similar things last week. I'm like, oh man, cool. I'm not the only one. Right on. But you know, God just had, okay, I'm going to push you through this door now, right? So I get this job working at Whirlpool. And this is actually where ministry starts. Still not realizing what's going on. I meet a guy there. Man, he was rough around every edge. Like, man, there was not one point of you that made you want to just kind of hug him. But man, I just wanted to hug him because he was just so lost. He was so broken. And so I'm like, God, I just, I don't know what it is. I'm just attracted to this guy. No one wants to be around him. He smells. He's doing drugs. He's drunk at work. Like, he's just horrible. And yet, God's like, you need to love on him. Okay, so... All right, God, give me a sign. So I walk in on a Monday morning, and what do they have on the back? And then keep in mind, none of these people are Christians. They got on the back, in the back there, the radio station is shine, and here's this rough, tough guy, and he got earrings and tattoos, and he's just like, praise Jesus! Oh, glory to God! Right? But he's not doing it sincerely. He's actually doing it in a mocking way. So I walk up to him, and I'm like, yeah, praise Jesus. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, no, like, praise Jesus. Like, yeah, you know, he created you. And he's like, ah. Uh. So from that point on, he made it his purpose to, to find ways to mock me, to find ways to tear me down. And God says, love him. One of the hardest things to ever do is when someone's tearing you down is to show love. So for me, God started showing me ways that I could build into him. So I'm sitting in the lunchroom, and I watch, watch him come in, and, you know, my wife would make me amazing lunches, or she'd be like, go, go, have, a, go have a Big Mac today. And, you know, so I'd go to McDonald's and come back, and I'd be sitting in the lunchroom, having a, you know, a Mac attack in there. And so good. I'm hungry. But anyway, I'd watch him. He'd come in, and, 
he'd pull out he'd pull out a little thing of you know crackers and he'd start buttering them and that would be his lunch and i watched him do this for day after day you know it'd just be a piece of bread he was spending all his money on drugs on alcohol he had just been recently married so they're trying to you know scrape around enough money just to you know cover rent and they've got this broken car you know life just looks absolutely horrible for this guy and i'm just like okay I know what to do. I'm like, hey, I'm going to McDonald's tomorrow. Do you want to come? Do you buy? Absolutely. I wouldn't invite you if I was going to ask you to pay. Right? So take him to McDonald's, and I just kept on doing that, doing that. And then finally, he's just like, why are you buying me food? I can't pay you back. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want you to pay me back. I just, I just want to love you. Well, I don't understand that. And I'm like, well, he goes, well, I can't pay you back. And I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about it. And then his car breaks down one day, and it happened to be a car that I used to own. So, you know, my dad taught me how to fix the thing, and so then I knew, oh, well, we'll just do this, and got his car running. He's just like, oh, man, it hasn't run this good ever. And I'm like, well, you know, I love these cars. They were cool cars. So I started to develop that relationship with them. And then one day, it, it, it got to a boiling point for him where he was just like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know about this God that you're talking about, right? And I, I had shared my whole life. I said, you know, I accepted Jesus this time. I accepted him because I needed this. I was lost. I was broken. And I just needed Jesus to be the Savior of my life. And he goes, no, I just can't believe that, right? And I'm like, well, why can't you? And he goes, well, I just, I just don't think it's real. And I'm like, well, how do you know if you've never checked it out for yourself, right? You've never gone to church. You've never, you've never read the Bible, You've never done any of these things. And so I challenged him. And I says, you know, go home, and I want you to read through the Gospels. So he does that. And the Monday morning, I come in, it's, a, you know, a little bit of an atmosphere at work. And he sees me, but he, you know, quickly turns and goes the other direction. And so, you know, I get set up where, what I'm supposed to be doing the day, and all of a sudden he shows up in the area where I'm working, and he goes, can we talk? And I'm like, yeah. So we go, we go over into, the, into like a little boardroom that's private. And uh, he closes the door and he just breaks down into tears. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. He goes, everything I said about you, everything I thought about you, everything I said about Jesus was completely wrong. He goes, I shared with my wife what you had told me. We read through the Bible. We smoked a joint. We read through the Bible a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, God started to speak to us. And we accepted Jesus into our heart this weekend. And I'm like, whoa! Story's not done. Story's not done. We're going to fast forward. His life changes. Moyer and I were out with him one, one weekend, and him and his wife, and we're just trying to invest into them. And, you know, they're just itching because they, they've, you know, they want to go get some you know, some weed, and they want to go, you know, get, you know, they want to get away from us, but they don't, and then they're just like, ah, so we can feel that, so we just, we release them, we drive down to the end of their street, and we just started praying over their block, we started praying over their house, started praying over their lives, then we find out the next day that they had a huge fight with their drug dealer, and now they're not doing drugs anymore, they're not smoking, they're not drinking, they just made that, right, and I'm like, God, you answered prayer like that, that's what happens when my wife prays, by the way. 
I got so many stories I could share about like that, but we don't have enough time for that. But we're going to fast forward timeline. They ended up having three boys. They moved up to the Edmonton area. We get a phone call. It was my oldest son's getting baptized. Whew. Okay. This is so cool. And we've been involved in their life quite a bit. We've seen them, you know, working in their siblings and their nephews. And, you know, on both sides, him and his wife, they had, you know, just started bringing all their, their brothers and sisters and, their, and, their, and their, their nieces and nephews were coming to church. And it was just a really amazing thing. And we're sitting like over on this side of the church and the young boy's up getting baptized and he reads out his testimony. And his testimony says, you know, I, I became a Christian this time and this is what Jesus means to me. But I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my Uncle Shan loving on my dad. Loving on his dad. So he gets baptized and the pastor gets up and he goes, everyone that was saved because of knowing Claude and Seal, can you stand up? So like about 20 some people stand up over on this side. The pastor says, now I want Shannon Moyer to stand up. Because you loved on somebody, you've changed generations right here. And see, that's when things clicked. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That right there, that verse had changed my life before I had gotten married. But man, that verse keeps changing my life year after year after year. Only to come to realize that by me having a mindset that, yeah, I could hate someone that hates me. But man, if I just love them, what's going to happen? What's gonna, what's, what kind of transformation is going to happen? And I was just thinking about one person. I wasn't thinking about what kind of overflow would come out of just that one person. And that's where God's perfect and pleasing will comes out of it. If you're just obedient and you step out and you just love and you serve. There, there's just so much that, that comes in there. And I think the next thing that comes in is the identity that comes from that. A lot of us are like, well, I, I, don't think, I don't think I have that in me. I don't think I'm a pastor. Now, keep in mind, I'm an appliance technician. But yet, I've been called to be a, a campus pastor but that wasn't when that started. I was a pastor the day I became a Christian. The day, the day I took and asked Jesus to come into my life was the day I became a pastor. It doesn't mean that maybe my ministry capacity was amazing at that point. But man, I just know by serving Jesus, I'm a pastor. I'm a person that can go out and share the gospel. I'm a person that can go out and share an experience. 
I'm a person that can go out and break chains and bondages. We've been using this, this prop here of how prisoners are locked in boxes. And you can see the holes where heaven has started to pour in, where people have almost escaped. Almost. If you missed last week, you missed a good story. It was an almost escape. If the owners hadn't have come. <laughs> but see, in 1 Peter 2.9, the American King James Version, I like the way they say this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is my favorite part. A peculiar people. You don't want to be normal people. You want to be different. You want to be where, like, what is it that this person has? But a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man. That verse right there says that you're a pastor. It says that you have the ability to go into your workplaces. You have the ability to go into your family. You have the ability to go into your neighborhoods. You have the ability to go into your home. Whatever circumstance, whatever is going on, that you're a pastor. You're, you're a person because God's chosen you, right? Um... In Strathmore, I've got so many stories to share, but probably I can maybe share one or two of them. But there's one story where church started to happen in front of an old, broken-down Whirlpool washing machine. It was an 82-year-old lady who was completely overcome with fear. She had a very broken life. At the age of six months old, her parents, she was the fifth, fifth child, and she was six months old, lived in northern Saskatchewan, and the parents decided one day, we're done. We don't want to be parents anymore. Not knowing what to do, not knowing how to do it, they decided, well, we're going to leave the whole family farm behind. Finances are ruined, everything's ruined, so we're not losing anything. And they literally left five children in that farmhouse. So what had happened was, is as they were coming through Saskatchewan, they passed through Calgary. And they, they met up with the mother's sister. And the sister's like, where's the kids? I left them at the farmhouse. I'm done. We don't, want, we don't want children. We don't want this responsibility. We're going to the West Coast, and we're going to start a new life. They've abandoned these people. And so the uncle and aunt drove up to northern Saskatchewan, picked up the five kids, brought them home, and there's a six-month-old lady or a six-month-old girl that already at that point in her life realized nobody wanted me. No one no one. No one even cared. And she carried that through her life. She went into her early, uh, uh, early 20s when she got married. 
and she took that she took that that voice that was spoken over her that no one wanted me and went and looked for anyone that would say hey yeah I'm interested and she found the most abusive man that she could ever found she found a man that not only verbally abused her but physically they had children together she lived her life in fear and she said the happiest day of her life was when that man died she doesn't talk to her kids she doesn't have relationship with her siblings none of that because she's lived with that voice saying that i am not wanted so this lady shares her story while i'm trying to fix her washer and i'm like oh man i don't even know what's going on here like oh god god man she's like did you hurt yourself no i'm like i'm crying i'm like man you know, God loves you so much. No, 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 he doesn't. And I'm like, yes, yes, he does. You want to know why? Because he created you. He didn't create you just, just so you could suffer. He created you so that you could actually go and break chains and bondages over, over people that are in prison. I was starting to realize that. I'm, I'm actually prophesying to myself as I'm trying to prophesy over this lady. And I'm there, and I'm starting to pull out all the hurts. And I could just see, you know, the joy was starting to fill in this lady. And I'm like, Jesus wants to be in your life. And there's an 82-year-old lady accepting Jesus in a cluttered, dirty laundry room all because of a service technician that just wants to love. You know, God has us doing things, releasing people out of, out of bondage. And I like how, how that song says, uh, we've been walking around these walls. We thought by now they'd fall, but you've never failed us. Man, that's a song of declaration. If you didn't catch that this morning, maybe you just need to go and listen to that a few times this week. You're going to have a few pieces of homework. That's one of them. Take that song. Take it in the heart and just be like, man, yeah, there's walls in my life that I've been walking around. And see, when we're battling, we got to be ready to understand that, yeah, there's going to be things that are going to come in our way, but man, we need to... We need to just keep, you know, chopping through that. It's like some ugly, you know, monster with tentacles trying to, trying to grab you and pull you in the wrong direction. But, man, you can, you can chop that stuff off. You can, you can go because God's calling you your pastors. And see, maybe you're thinking, I don't think I, I have that. I, 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 I'm not that. And in Galatians 6, 4 to 5, um, I chose the message because I just, like I said, I, I like the way it says it. It says, make a careful explore, exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. You know, I could sit there and just go to work every day. And, and, and the interesting thing is, is that could just be it. I could, 
I could be what Moyer always desired, just that nine-to-five guy. But you know what? That nine-to-five guy gets invited to, into homes where not, not anyone just gets to go, right? I get to go into the intimate places in some people's homes where they are like, oh, man, this is broken. And then I'm like, and what about you? And then I'm like, yeah, I'm broken too. And I have that opportunity just to, just to sink in right? It says sink yourself into that, right? I get, to, I get to go into that and be like, man, I can pray for you. I can do this. Man, I, I healed a lady a year ago. She had the onsets of dementia where she kept on calling me. When, when's our appointment? Oh, it's this day. And I'm trying to be grace, gracious over her. And I'm like, oh, what's wrong with you? When I get to her house, she explains I have the onsets of dementia. I don't remember. I can't remember what happened 10 minutes ago. And I get to her house, and she has little post-it notes, like, littered all over the house. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is heavy. I'm trying to work on the dishwasher. And see, I'm no, I'm no superhero. I'm not like Captain Dishwasher here where I'm going to come in like, oh. But you know what? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just came, and he's just like, man, the dishwasher doesn't matter right now. She does. And see, I walked in, she starts telling me the story, and I'm like, man, we're going to heal you right now. And I just started praying that she's going to have full clarity over her head, and that things are going to change, and that the, that the demonic that's just trying to steal her memories and trying to steal the joy of her family is going to be ripped right out. And then she's like, oh, thank you. I've, I've never heard anyone with passion before. I'm like, where have you been? Like, come on. Like, man, like, God loves you. God wants to see your whole life. He wants to see you fulfilled. He wants to see you full of life, right? So I just thought it ended there. A week later, I get a phone call from her daughter. Oh, can you come fix my dishwasher, Captain Dishwasher? Okay. You know, da, 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 and I got my sidekick, Garburator. No, and, and I, 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 I get to the home not realizing that this was her daughter. And the husband opens the door, and he's, you're Shan. I'm like, yep. Unless my son's here, yep. Yeah, I'm Shan. And uh, he goes, I'm like, you got a problem with your dishwasher? So I start looking at it, and it's making some weird noises. And Ooh, I'm going to have to lay hands on this one. Something's weird going on here. And he goes, you know, I have to tell you something. I'm a Christian. I'm like, oh, cool. He goes, no, no, no. I haven't been to church like 18 years. I grew up in church. When I became a teenager, I wanted nothing to do with this. And I want to tell you, you were at my mother-in-law's house. I'm like, well, who's that? And he said the name, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, how's she doing? I told her to call me after the weekend to tell me how she was doing. And he's like, oh, she forgot. I'm like, like, (laughs) But I need to tell you this. She hasn't forgotten anything. She has been, she has been the same. And our family's just like, what did this guy do? And I'm like, oh, I, I, all I did was just pray over her. I was just obedient, right? The Holy Spirit says, forget this. This is what we need to fix, right? And he's like, oh, I need to go to church. And at this time, we had no idea that we were planting church yet in Strathmore. I knew it was coming, 
But I said, you know, there's this church. And he literally, the backyard of his house was a church. And I'm like, that's a good church. I know the pastor. Go there. He's a good man. And he's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to start taking my family. But see, that's where the generation thing comes in again. Not only did we start in the mother, well, we've gone to the daughter. Now we've gone to grandkids. Now we're going to great-grandkids. And see, we've got, we've got purpose here, right? People are locked into, into their boxes, and heaven needs to pour in, where generations aren't being taken by the enemy, but that we're pulling them back, right? There's chains that are being broken off these people, right? You know, Galatians, make careful the exploration of, the, of, of who you are and the work you have been given. You're pastors, and you've got jobs to do. You've got, you've got a purpose, Right? And see, you can't be thinking, oh, but, but I'm, not, I'm not like Pastor Bill. You know, I, I'm not a very good speaker. Or, or I'm not like Pastor Eric and I'm like really funny. Or I'm not like Brad where I'm just like, yeah, right? Like, you guys know what I mean, right? Like Brad, Brad comes in and he just like, he like raises the temperature up. He gets you going, right? Like, that's you, Brad. But see, you're not going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, why weren't you like Moses? Why weren't you like David? He's going to be, why weren't you Shan? Right? He's going to be, why aren't you you? Because it's not about putting the comparison game in. It's not about like, oh, I don't think I can do it. No, you can. Because if a janitor can be someone's role model, then you can be anything, like honestly, anything, right? You've got a purpose and you've got plan, right? There's a really amazing quote by Bill Johnson. He's, uh, he's a pastor uh, of uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California. And the quote, I can't afford to have thoughts in my head about me that God doesn't have in his. Man, like, how true is that? That there's so many times that we put stuff inside our head that God's like, why are you filling yourself up with garbage? You're pastors, right? You're my, you're my anointed ones. You're, my, you're the ones I need doing my work. Don't sit there and think, oh, I'm ugly, or... or you know, my weight is an issue or, or, or that, you know, I'm just not smart enough. Man, you can use your talents in the most amazing places. The sermon that Pastor Bill had preached a few weeks back about, you know, he could, he could walk into a situation, no problem with his Bible, but if there was a man bleeding and hurt on the side of the road, he'd be like, my Bible won't do much. But Trent Snyder knowing how to do things is going to change it, right? And that's so true, right? You know, for me, it's not about, you know, I've got screwdrivers and drills and whatever wrenches. You know, that's not going to fix stuff. It's what's in here. It's what, it's what God has already placed inside you. And when we, when we head into those areas of battle, that... We need to have that understanding that there's things that we need to do. So this next verse, which is Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, 
it's a bit of a long one. We're not going to camp on this too much, but it's so powerful. I know it's things that are coming out in a lot of us. I could probably do a sermon series just on this alone, but I'm going to read it really quick, but there's a couple points that I would just want to, you know, pull out of it. So, finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on, that's one of the points, the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, here's that word again, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to stand and stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and that with your and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this pick up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one pick up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. See, being battle ready means you're putting on, you're putting on the anointing, you're putting on, you're putting on what God has designed and destined for your life. That whole verse is just talking about what do you do when you're battle? And you got to be battle ready. You got to put on the character of Christ. You got to put on what God has, has for you. The next one is standing. You know, Pastor Bill uses that analogy where he's just doing this. And my wife and I probably shouldn't have done this last night, but we were. No, no, no. We watched Braveheart. And there they are. They're all lined up and they're ready for battle. And then they start, they start doing their intimidation tactic. And that's the thing. When you're doing this, the enemy is like, I don't like that. And the interesting thing, if you ever go to a really good hockey game, in Edmonton for an Oilers game. And the, and, the, and, the, and the thing is, you're at that Oilers game, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're... Right? Man, that just... It, and, and if you've ever been in a stadium, when you hear that, man, it's like a thundering roar. And that's the thing. We need to stand. We need to be... We need to be rocking hell. We need to be saying, hey, you need to get out of here because we're standing in this place. We're taking... We're taking the captives. We're breaking the chains. We're, we're, we're taking back people that are stuck. And then the other thing is picking up. You can take that in a couple different ways. How I'm going to direct it is you, you're picking up what the Holy Spirit's saying. You're picking up what God is saying. We've got so many people that are around us. We've been praying for our person. And we need to pick up. We need to, we need to start Start the, the battering rams, the, 
the 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 standard, the the pull saying, no, I, I'm I'm going to pick up and I'm going to stand right here for that person. My wife did it for me when I. She didn't even know it was technically for me, but she was praying for me before we were even married. She'd already known me. I've known my wife, like, oh, man, 27, 28 years. That's amazing. We were not high school sweethearts, high school enemies. But yet she was praying for me, not realizing it was me. But she was picking up on what the Holy Spirit was saying. And then later in life, or later... Before we had started dating, she picked up again. She's like, oh, what's going on with Shan? I can see him, but I can't see his face. She was picking up on what God was saying. He's like, man, you need to be praying. You need to, you need to, be, you need to be picking up for the people that can't do it. And that's where the praying, right? Praying comes in. Is we've got our person that we're praying for. That when you love on them and when you start praying and when you learn how to serve them, that the generational thing is going to just, it's just going to swing wide open. And you're going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, there you are, my good and faithful servant. I gave you so much, and you did the return because of your obedience. You did this because you loved. So when you're battle ready, it's your put, you're putting on, you're standing, you're picking up, and you're praying over the people that have been placed around you, the people that have been placed in front of you, the people that have been placed behind you. For me, the scariest thought would be that I would go home, trumpets would sound, we all get lifted up and we're in heaven. There's a line of us and we're all walking into heaven. And then there's a line of people all walking the other direction. And I see my next door neighbor. It's like, why? Why didn't you tell me? Why? Man. I wouldn't want to be this guy walking here because now I just saw that guy walking there. I'd be like, oh, God, I failed. I should be going this way. Don't, don't miss the chances you have because you don't know if it's a life or death thing. You don't know if the person that is in your mind that you've been praying for is battling depression and suicidal thoughts. You don't know what's going on, but God's placed them on your heart to do things, on your heart to contend for them, on your heart to stand for them, on your heart to free them, that they're not stuck in these cells anymore. So people, we've got to go out, we've got to do battle, and we've got to be ready. All right?